1: Hey, everybody. It's the first show of the season, a forever mighty postgame show. It's good as hell to
2: be back. Eddie, how's it going, man? It's going good. Um, but as you can hear, it's, it's rained pretty heavily here. So if you guys hear a bit of static in the background, uh, it's not static. It's just pouring at my house right now.
1: Lucky. There's no such thing as rain here in California, but the Ducks... Disappointed all the San Jose Sharks fans who were eagerly awaiting the arrival of Eric Carlson's debut. They shut them down five to two, and just what was I don't know, man, a steal of the game. Huh? This was just ridiculous by the Ducks to be able to pull this off. Very reminiscent of last season.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't expected, especially the way they were playing throughout the, the majority of the game you kind of expected it to go the complete opposite. I mean, if I had looked at the, the flow chart for this game at the end, uh, you would probably expect the score to be reversed, and San Jose was coming out of the gate. Probably Stanley Cup favorites. I guess you could say Stanley Cup favorites, right? And uh, they looked all of that. At least division saw- favorites, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they looked like that through most of the game, and they somehow came out on the other end of a, a 5-2 loss. I think a lot of the credit, though, has to go to John Gibson.
1: Well, we're definitely going to get to that. It was Gibby versus Martin Jones. Ducks have debut players up and down the lineup. Sam Steele, Maxime Comtois. And who am I forgetting here? Wasn't there another player that made his debut? NHL debut? Uh, keep that yeah, maybe it's Keeper Sherwood. Uh, Eric Carlson, like I just said, debuts in Teal today. And why the hell was Pierre McGuire assigned to this broadcast for NBCSN? I don't know if you guys got that awfulness in Canada, but my ears were bleeding the entire oh, yeah. night
2: tonight. Well, I was, I was streaming the game anyway, so I, I got uh, all the Pierre I could handle as well. Awful. I, I, I can't handle that guy, man. But
1: we'll definitely get into that and more. Eddie, let's kick off the intro and get this party started, man. Try
2: to
0: get by Benny.
2: Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry, Stewart, Corey Perry. Willian able to shake away from Solani. It's away. Oh, it's nice to hear that intro again. It feels like it's been forever since we've done a show. I mean, all the way back to the last time the Ducks faced the Sharks back in the playoffs, and we all know how disappointing that was.
1: Oh, man, to say the least, but uh, Stanley Cup parade getting ready to get underway here in Anaheim after this first game, huh? 5-2 win over the uh, Pacific Division favorite Sharks. (laughs) Just I can't imagine the pandemonium going on outside my house in the streets of Anaheim right
2: now. As long as you just look at the, the box score, you just look at the score, then maybe you could say that. But There were some, uh, some bright spots, though, some bright spots. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was. I mean, John Gibson is the shining star of the game, and there was other things, but uh, it wasn't the prettiest 5-2 win they've ever had.
1: No, before we get to the first period, let's talk about this lineup. I mean, there was a couple of different defensive pairings going on here for the Ducks and uh, several new faces on this team. Luke Shin, Pontus, Auburg, who was just recently picked up. Um, Ben Street was playing in the in tonight. Carter Rowney tonight. Kiefer Sherwood tonight. Maxime Comtois tonight. Uh, It's just it it was unreal to see that the roster turnover from this summer uh, and all the youth injected into this lineup. It was like a dream come true for Ducks fans. we been waiting for these veterans to get out of the way.
2: Really, and it kind of came at the expense of everybody else who's out injured. I mean, Kessler, Kasha getting a, a concussion in the last preseason game. And then you got Eves and Perry. and I mean, the list goes on. It, it, the guys that are out of the line it gives these guys a chance. And, and I think most of them um, made the most of their opportunity, to be honest. I, I liked what I saw, obviously, come to getting the goal early on. But I like what I saw from Steele and Sherwood. Um, You know, even Troy Terry as well. They all looked comfortable. And I think that was the most important thing. I mean, you don't have to come out in your first game and and get a goal like Comtois did. They all kind of looked like they belong. And I think that's going to be important if the Ducks are going to have any success with the injuries they currently have. These guys need to prove that they're ready to play.
1: Do you have any idea why uh, Randy Carlisle decided to to flip the, uh, the defensive pairings? I mean, because Manson and Fowler had a real tough night and uh, Montour and Lindholm had the better half of that night for sure. I mean, they, they did look great. None of them did five-on-five five this entire game, but I don't understand the, the, the pairing like, switch. I don't understand why he would do that uh, to start the year because those two pairs were solid last season.
2: Yeah, and especially splitting up uh, Josh Manson and Hampshire. Lindholm. There, there's really never been anything wrong with that pairing, and now to split them up to try Fowler with Manson, which, to be honest, didn't, it didn't look like it worked. We'd have to get into the numbers and check, but it, it really didn't look like it worked all night. Lindholm and Montour, a little bit better. I like Montour was by far, I think, the best defenseman for the Ducks in this game. Um, but, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I think eventually we'll find our way back to Lindholm, Manson, Fowler, and Montour. Maybe it was just an experiment to try out through the first game, but it's weird because during preseason, we still never saw the normal pairings, I guess you could call them, put together. And now... You know, it, what we thought would be a lock for the start of the season. He's kind of mixed everything up.
1: And luckily it didn't burn him too bad. We'll definitely jump into a little bit of the numbers here at the end. But let's kick this first period off. Um, just what a debut for Maxine off 49 seconds in. Just swinging in. Fires at five hole on Martin Jones. He looked like an NHL regular. A la Mario Lemieux, right? First game, first shift, first shot, first NHL goal.
2: Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll roll the highlight here <laughs> behind us. But, I mean, it's just it's just a great goal. I mean, it's a great play by Henrique to get the puck to him in the first place. But just composure by a guy who has been a goal scorer in junior. He's been able to put the puck in the back of the net. And he first shot in the NHL, like you said, first goal. And he makes it seem like he is an NHL regular. Picks his spot. Throws it five hole on Martin Jones, who didn't play it perfectly, but it, great for Comtois to really take advantage of the fact that Martin Jones wasn't set, and and he made no mistake on that goal. It, it was a great goal.
1: No, it was perfect. You couldn't get any better than that. And you know, let us Ducks fans relish in the moment here for a minute, even if he doesn't score another goal in the nine games he's going to get here in Anaheim. It was beautiful to watch him play tonight. Um, it, it was it was nice. It was refreshing to see. I mean, a lot of fans on Twitter kind of like Nick Ritchie. Who? Why are we missing this guy? We're not really missing <laughs> Nick Ritchie. He's yeah. definitely missing out on some ice time, some money. He's he's risking it all. And uh, Maxine Comtois is just filling in form and making him making him pay. But uh, moving on here in the first period, the Sharks just I mean, it, it's going to be a recurring theme throughout this game until midway through the third where the Sharks just pin the Ducks in the zone over and over and over again. Uh, Gibby had to make a hell of a play on a tip shot by Carlson. Um, and then this is where we, we get this some penalty trouble here. Manson with a mishandle runs a little interference, sharks go to the power play, and now I thought the second this happened, I was like, "Oh God, really, like already <laughs> we're gonna have to see this all star game come out onto the ice, and it just wasn't what I thought it was going to be a lot I mean, I think there's too many star players on that line, no one wanted to shoot the puck
2: really and it it looked a jumbled mess. I think it got better throughout the the rest of the game i mean the the sharks looked dominant, but they just couldn't put the puck in the back of the net, and again, we're going to keep coming to the fact that. That was really due to John Gibson, but for a star-studded power play like that, Brent Burns isn't even on that top unit. Um, I feel bad for anybody who drafted him in fantasy because that means he's going to get a lot less time <laughs> on the power play. But uh, yeah, I mean, to have Kane and Carlson and Couture out on that top unit, and you know, you've know you still got guys, like you've still got a, basically a, a power play 1A that you can throw over the boards uh, right after that first unit. You know They might not have looked great in this game, but it's only a matter of time before... Those two power play units hurt a lot of teams. You can't keep that team off the score sheet on the power play for long. I mean, they've been so good on the power play for so many years, and now they had Eric Carlson, probably the best power play quarterback in the league to to that line. It's going to be unstoppable at some point.
1: Yeah, it's too hard to extrapolate what this entire season is going to look like based off one game. But, I mean, the Ducks got the better of the Sharks, luckily, tonight. Uh, The period moves on here. Um, turnovers were another big part of Anaheim's problem. Whether it was in their zone, whether it was in the neutral zone, Getzloff turns it over in his own zone and almost gets put in the back of the net there. Uh, Troy Terry had another one of those at the top of the blue line, another turnover for the Sharks to race in. Um, That's something that the Sharks, I mean, my God, I I haven't seen the neutral zone played that well in a long time against Anaheim, like, for that long. Like, sustained. They were just clogging everything in the neutral zone, and the Ducks couldn't get it out of their own zone. They just they do that uh, Randy Carlyle, you know, dump and chase, dump and chase. He comes right out of the zone. You're just giving the puck over to, to guys who can skate like Brent Burns and Eric Carlson to drive the puck back up the ice. And it was just a dominant first period for the Sharks.
2: Yeah, and somehow they didn't come out with the lead. And and that was the really the, I guess, the story of the entire game where the Ducks were just able to stick around. They were able to stick around for the entire game despite, I think, halfway through the third period only having 10 shots on goal. So... It doesn't happen often, so you can take this game with a grain of salt and say, yeah, the Ducks won 5-2, to two, but maybe they didn't really deserve to win 5-2, and I think it's great to come out and get that confidence and beat a team who's supposed to be the favorite to win the division, but there are a lot of things I think they can draw on and look at in this game and say they need to improve on. Um, I mean, like you said, that the Sharks just clogged the neutral zone. It's something they did in the, uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs last year, that the Ducks just couldn't get past it, and that's the style of play that the Sharks play, and you know, there's there's a lot of other teams who play that style as well, so the Ducks are going to have to figure it out. It, it, to me, it doesn't look like they're that fast style of team that Randy Carlyle said they're going to transition At moments, into. right? At moments At you moments, see it, yeah. but,
1: but it just wasn't a full, and it's hard to do a full 60, we get it, but you got to expect a little more from a team that's been preaching it all summer that— the Ducks wouldn't get out of the first period unscathed, though. A very pretty play, and it's against our boy Josh Manson. Just had a, the, the toughest game, I feel like, in a long time. He gets absolutely walked on by Kane. Kane comes in and just buries it five-hole on Gibby, and it's
2: 1-1. It's it's just an insane goal to watch because it's not the only time in the game either. I mean, Evander Kane just walks Josh Manson. We'll get to it later, but the goal by Thomas Hurdle is even... Is even worse when he watch Cam Fowler, but that says enough for that those two uh, in their pairing tonight and how they did. But just a a great effort by Vander Kane and and really a, a big testament to why they locked this guy down with a new contract after what he did for them last year. A tough goal, I think, for John Gibson to give up. I mean, he doesn't really get all of it; and it kind of just squeaks through. Wasn't necessarily a great shot, but I mean it's just an, an, a great individual effort by Evander Kane. You really can't say too much about that.
1: Now the ducks get out of the first period, one, one being outshot 11 to five. I felt like the sharks had all the pressure in that game. Uh, and the most notable duck for me in this first period was Maxine Comtois. I felt like obviously his goal was to stand out, but every time he was on the ice, you noticed him, you noticed his speed. He was always around the, around the puck. Um, I think good things are going to come out of this kid uh, in his career. And again, just to kind of reiterate, Manson, just tough, gets walked, takes a penalty, kind of a telltale sign of things to come.
2: Yeah, really. And it's, it's just a a tough play for him because, you know, he wanted to get off to the season, you know, he's with a new partner, a guy he didn't really play with a ton last year. And, you know, he wants to get off to a good game and it's not a great position for him to be in. And Evander Kane kind of victimizes him on that. So it, it is a tough start. and. You know, it, it is a win, but this is, I think, a game where you look at how much Fowler and Manson struggled, and maybe you see them switch it up next game. I know coming off a 5 2 win, it's hard to say you want to switch anything up, but I think going back to Lindholm Manson and Fowler Montour and, and kind of checking back in to how that did, and you look at how it finished the season last year, I think it'd be a smart move for them to at least try and go back to what was working last year.
1: I agree, man. We'll see what Randy decides to do here. We got to get to the second period, though. Um, the Sharks are just so much faster out of the gate again. Uh, just a great forecheck by this team. I know this is a Ducks podcast, and we're huge Ducks fans and all, but it's hard not to notice good hockey. And the and the Sharks yeah. are just they're just tenacious on that puck. Uh, at one point, we're out shooting the the Ducks six to one in the first seven minutes of this, and that Kane line just eating up Manson and Fowler. I feel like his line had no problem whatsoever. They were so fast. And he's ultra-physical, too. Um, yeah, he's a prolific scorer, and he can snipe. But that guy's a big dude and has no problem roughing people up as well. Um, the highlight of this period, though, uh, before the end of it, but, like, the, the, the sh- another shining bright of, uh, of light coming off of Maxime Comtois. He beats the, the Sharks defender to the boards on the half wall. No, like, he picks his head up, almost looks like he was going to do a no-look at the last second, turns around and looks, finds Silverberg in the slot all alone. And, I mean, honestly, Jones makes a, just an outstanding save on what should have been an easy pot for uh, Silverberg there.
2: Yeah, and, and really an underrated, really good game from Jakob Silverberg as well. Picked himself up three assists. Could have had a goal on that play, like you said. But that was a great save by Martin Jones. And I, I don't think he necessarily played awful. There were a couple of goals. I mean, obviously the Montour goal that we'll get to, That that's really one that he's going to want to have back. but. That was a good save on Silverberg. I mean, he's a guy that if you put him in that position where he's one-on-one with a goalie that close, you expect him to score. And he got a good shot off. Jones was just able to fight it off. So, yeah, I, I mean, a great effort, though. Maxim Comtois, how impressive is, was he in this game? I mean, comes right out of the gate, gets the goal. A guy that maybe a lot of people didn't necessarily expect to make the team. And then he comes in, gets the goal, and, and just looks great pretty much every shift that he was on the ice.
1: Yeah, he does. It was, and like you said, though, a hell of a game by uh, Jakob Silberberg. It turns out he's on a contract here. So hopefully that that pays well for the Ducks going on throughout this season. Um, More on this period. Ducks uh, just can't get through the neutral zone. Lots of turnovers. Just I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's just been going to repeat myself here. But then our uh, Manson comes up in the wrong side of the conversation again, takes a penalty, a tripping call after he just roughed up Sorensen along the boards multiple times and then, Got to stick between the skates, going into the wall, and uh, just buried him. I thought I thought it was a boarding call, then I saw he tripped him on. You know, that's unfortunate for Manson on that end.
2: Yeah, and i i feel I feel a bit bad having to play this goal because it it doesn't look, uh, uh it, yeah, it, it doesn't make him look good. Um, but you gotta play, but it. but yeah, I gotta play it. Uh, so if we, we move on to the Thomas Hurdle goal, uh, I mean, it, again, it's a Ducks podcast, so we don't want to talk too much about the Sharks, but. What a great effort by Thomas Hurdle. Honestly, I mean he beats out uh, I, th- I believe that's Manson to get to the puck. Outmuscle Sam turns around and then walks Cam Fowler and and then what Gibson can't do anything on 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 this goal. There really isn't much he can do. Hurdle's in all alone and and he's a the guy they really expect to step up this season. He's in the top 6 for them. He's playing on a second line with Logan Couture. Grabs a shorthanded goal here and now, not, not only the move, but just the snipe upstairs, too. And, and I think we have to remember, this is a guy who, in his first season, uh, pulled the puck between his legs to go, grab a fourth goal, and uh, I think it was one of his first games of the year. So this is a guy who has those moves in his repertoire, and he pulled it out on this goal.
1: Amazing he didn't get traded in the Eric Carlson deal, huh? I guess that's for yeah. a story on another time.
2: Yeah, I mean, him and Timo Meyer. they both played amazing in this game. And, I mean, obviously the Sharks are on the opposite end of the game, but how did the Sens not pull any of these guys? I mean, they're both dynamic players. So, hurdle
1: off the half wall, beats Fowler between the legs, and then goes short side high on Gibby. No chance there. It's 2-1 Sharks. That's a shorthanded goal, too. Um, And then not too much longer after that, Manson actually draws a penalty on evander kane which i thought was kind of a cheap call i didn't think it was really much of a trip but uh manson goes into the corner looks like he tried to chicken wing and kill donkskoy in the corner and missed and then <laughs> kane comes in from behind and his his stick goes right against the back of his knees manson falls ducks power play and it didn't take long to mean tic-tac-toe ricard raquel back on the board for the ducks
2: this is what you want to see on their power play too I mean, we talked about how disappointing the power play was last year. We talked about it in our season preview on the last show. And just looking at how they did in this game, obviously the goal later on too, but just two tic-tac-toe plays. And it's a great effort for Getzlaff to just walk the defender, get to Silverberg, And then Silverberg again, having an underrated, really good game, sets up Raquel, who's wide open. And this is what we want to see. This, This power play has enough talent that on any given night, they should be able to pot a couple goals if they're given too many opportunities. And it really looked like they've changed things around. We didn't see much of it in preseason, but in this game, boy, do they look good on the power play.
1: Absolutely. That would make the game 2-2. Two, two. Pretty much the period ends there. Ducks get out of their tied, but badly outshot. 26-9 to nine are the shot totals at the end of 40 minutes. Manson and Fowler having a tough game. And I got I to gotta say, man, at this point, I didn't really notice a lot of uh, Getzlaff or Raquel besides that goal. You get the same feeling. Like, when that, when they, that was a turning point in this game, was that goal. Yeah. That was the play. I hate to agree yeah. with Pierre Maguire. He said it on the broadcast, <laughs> but it's so true. If they don't get Sometimes. that goal, that's going to be a <laughs> tough third period.
2: Sometimes he can say something right. Um, yeah, I, I guess so. I didn't really notice them a bunch. Um, but but Getzlaff and Raquel are those types of players where the, you only have to really see them once for them to hurt you. You you make a mistake once, and the puck's in the back here, and, and they did that on the power play. And I think they picked their game up from there. You notice them a bit more on after that goal. They got into it. But in all honesty, I, I think it was really that uh, the Henrique's line and even Sam Steele's line uh, did a very good job tonight. Then, obviously, Maxim Comtois was all over the place. But I think it was a good effort from pretty much everybody. And once Raquel and Getzlaff got into the game, I think that really opened things up for the Ducks because, I, I mean, as everybody saw, they were getting caved in in shot attempts and shots in in general, just throughout pretty much two thirds, if not the majority of this game. And yeah, I I mean, it was just a a great effort from those guys to finally get things going.
1: Absolutely needed. Third period gets out of the way. Getzloff actually shoots the puck in on Jones. Jones with a save. Um, Don't see that too often from our captain, but uh, he decided to put one on net there. Kind of went a little back and forth in this third period, but uh, Manson and Fowler, How do you let Evander Kane sit 15 feet behind you on the uh, on your blue line when you're in the offensive zone and let him just cherry pick his way all the way in alone on John Gibson Gibson thankfully at the top of his crease and position perfectly clips his glove and goes over the net and what, what a hell of a save there by Gibby
2: man just the amount of times I think we said that in this game just proves how great he played. You would expect a guy like Evander Kane to put that in the back of the net, and I think he got a pretty good shot off. But just John Gibson, like you said, perfect position on that play. And it wasn't the only time he had to stop an odd man rush or a breakaway in this game, and he showed up to the task. I mean, this is something we've criticized him for before, and not being able to be clutch, I guess you could say, as much as I hate that word, to be clutch on the breakaway and be able to stop those shots, and it really feels like that's the last bit of his game that he's worked on and gotten a lot better at. And he proved it in this one. I mean, it, it was an excellent save off a guy who sniped one past and one that he probably wanted back and he kind of got revenge for that first goal.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's just just a hell of a play. He's He is honestly the reason why the Ducks are or where are they at in this game anyway, right? There's no way around yeah. it. If it's not for Gibson, this game is just a, just a gong show most likely to just be run, run up and then to be fights. That's what it would have been. Yeah. It was the other way around because the ducks don't been like gone to play so nice.
2: early. It would have been, I mean, there could have been three goals in the back of the, night in the first period for the sharks if Gibson wasn't there. I mean, they were heavily outshot, especially through the first two periods. I think at one point it, the shots were twenty-four to eight in the second period. It was period. brutal. It was just insane, and the ducks were still in it. And I mean, the credit to their fight back, and but I mean, the effort defensively wasn't there. And we knew the Sharks were going to be this type of team. I didn't expect the shots to be that much of a difference. I expected the Ducks to get outshot and, and outchanced. But it was such a wide margin that you would have expected a massive lead for the Sharks. And, and credit to, to John Gibson and some of the efforts from the players. There was a lot of blocked shots too. So I think it was a great effort, at least in that part of the, of the game tonight
1: and this is where things get silly the ducks still being hemmed in their zone constantly sharks are pouring it on they didn't let that breakaway save by gibson get in their way until um i don't know what the hell uh, martin jones was doing i know we did a, a uh we, we talked a little bit about him and i'm not a huge fan of him and i know he wants this goal back just an <laughs> ugly goal by brandon montour like 20 feet off the crease backhand and Jones just waves at it as it goes into the back of the net. I was seriously was watching that play, and it's like, oh, that seriously went in? I was like, yeah. there's, there's no way Jones let that in, but he did, and all of a sudden it's 3 2
2: ducks. Everybody, I think, felt the same way on this goal. I, I mean, I was watching it. I was kind of getting some stuff ready, setting up some of the gifts to put on Twitter, and then all of a sudden I see Montour just getting down the wing. I'm like, okay, you know, this is a perfect chance to get something out, and then the puck's in the back of the net. Uh, I mean, great effort for him. He made a good play at the blue line to get in, a great pinch in. And, and just, you know, when you're in that position, nobody's skating around the other side of the boards. He's in there by himself. You might as well just throw it in on net. And I think that's what fooled Jones. I think he expected him to just kind of throw it around the boards, not really expect him to put a shot on net. And he's out of position. And Montour makes him, play, so, uh, makes him pay. So I think it was a great effort from him, obviously, not one Jones wants to give up and I'm sure you're sitting over there happy that you're right that Martin Jones hasn't looked too good Just one game into that. the season one but, game uh, in.
1: and what are you gonna do yeah. I mean he, he's sitting there literally could have sat on top of his net for 80 percent or 90 percent of this game and a puck never would have made it in the back of the net um, he, he didn't get much work tonight so when that happens I know he's got to like dust off the pads and wake up when someone comes in the zone at, at this point Montour makes it three two um, kind of speed this up a little bit here we got plenty of questions to get to uh, Ricard Raquel to Silverberg to Henrique. bang bang play Sherwood um, was at uh, gets interfered with by Couture power play time and all of a sudden it's 4-2 ducks on another beautiful goal
2: yeah and another beautiful goal on the power play which is something that we talked about they needed to get done in the regular season or in the off season was to fix the power play because of how bad it was last year. And it, I'm reiterating myself here, but they seem to have worked on it. And it, I, I hate saying that in the first game of the season. And 60 minutes into the season, we're like, they, they perfected the power play. I feel you, man. <laughs> I feel you. But it looks great. I mean, a, a great pass down low from Raquel. Again, Silverberg with another great pass. I mean, he, uh, on the power play where he found Raquel on the first goal. Now he finds Henrique right in front again for another goal. And this is what you want. You want this type of passing, and you find the open guy in front or back door. And they, they did it on both plays. They found Raquel back door on the first play, and they found Henrique right in front alone on the second play. And that's because of great passing. And I think that's where they talked about playing faster. It's not about skating faster. It's about moving the puck faster. And at least on the power play, we've seen that, but on the, uh, you know, five on five, that still remains to be seen. I know we're only, you know, a couple or one game into the season here, but it, uh, it looks good. It looks good. Hopefully it can continue. Got to stop the chip in chip
1: out, man. You got to carry that damn puck up. I I mean, that's what the ducks have got to do. Um, Carter Rowney would just completely seal the deal here. Five to two Ducks with the empty net goal. I really felt that the Ducks put on a good amount of pressure in the last probably seven, eight minutes of the game. Um, So good on them to finally turn the tide a little bit and not make it so embarrassing possession wise or or at least from even just a uh, just like from the eye test. It was like, wow, they finally are in the shark zone. But they get the win, man. Five to two. All thanks to Gibby. Yeah.
2: Really. Easy first star for Gibson in this one. Just a guy that a lot of people said got shafted for the Vesna, or at least not maybe winning it, but getting a, a nod for it. Um, you know, we said it. Greg Wisniewski just put out an article where he said it for his uh, season preview for the Ducks. Everybody believed he should have got when He didn't. Comes out this season. He could have said, oh, you know what? I, I got shafted last year. Who cares? I'm just going to mail it in this year. But he comes out. Had a great preseason game, too. Let's not forget the fact that he shut out the Kings and his full start preseason. Comes out in this one and plays great. I mean, the, the two goals that got let in, you can't, you know, maybe you can blame him a little bit for the Kane one. Wasn't in the greatest position and it squeaks through him. There's literally nothing he can do on the Tomas Hurdle goal. So the fact that he comes out of this makes, I believe, over 35 saves or at least close to it. Uh, just a, a great performance from him. And this is what we're going to need. We all know the Ducks are going to need John Gibson to play out of his mind this season if they have any hope uh, of going far in the playoffs or even getting to the playoffs. With how mixed bag the Pacific Division is this year,
1: it's I don't know, man. I, I really feel that uh, that we, going back to the Vesna thing right there, he, he was definitely robbed. I mean, of, of at least votes. How the fact that he wasn't in the running is just putrid yeah. across this league. But uh, wins matter, I guess, and shutouts matter. We talked about that on our, on our season preview when we talked about John Gibson. Um, those things matter, and uh, apparently more so than, say, percentage and carrying your team on your back. I mean, they notice it with other people. They notice it with Taylor Hall when they gave him the heart uh, when you carry your team along the way like that. And I think John Gibson uh, did the same thing in net for the Ducks. So um, before we get to uh, some of our questions here from our listeners, I just want to give a shout-out to everybody that I see in Spreaker chat. Uh that's awesome you guys are back here. A lot of regulars here, some new people. Uh Gordon Bombay always in involved. Chase is always here. Um it's cool, man. I think it's awesome. Derek's in here as well. And uh and thanks everyone for coming out and and, uh, and participating in the show. We, we always love doing it.
2: Yeah, and well, we ha- I know we said we would be on YouTube today, but YouTube no does not to see want our faces, to- man. YouTube does not want to approve our channel for live streaming yet. So, Saturday we should be on YouTube. Um, I'm doing a video for it right now that will go up on our YouTube channel. I'll put it out on Twitter and, and Instagram and everything so you guys can see the link so that you can at least get a taste of what it will look like. But, uh, yeah, that's why we're not live on YouTube. But thank you, everybody, for coming back out to Spreaker. It's been a while, so it's nice to see everybody.
1: Hey man, they're they're missing that lightning show outside your window. Jesus Christ! I feel like the background's like blue. Every <laughs> well, I'm sure they seconds. can
2: hear it. I'm sure they can hear it because it's <laughs> it's crazy. It literally almost snowed about two two or three days ago, and now it's just pouring at the perfect time. I mean, I was waiting for the power to go out, but at least it didn't because then we would be screwed.
1: Yeah, man, you'd be like Winnipeg. No, no power, no Wi Fi. I, mean, I mean, Northern Ontario is going to compare them to Winnipeg, just like the yeah. Sharks players always said about Winnipeg. Right? Just got to trash them.
2: I'm sure let's everybody get wants to-, to hear us talk about the weather. <laughs> let's get to some <laughs> let's get to some, uh, some questions here, man. All right. So we had Chase on Twitter who said, am I the only one who thinks Terry and Comtois should be switched? So that would be moving Comtois up to play with Raquel and Getzlaff and Terry down to the third line. I know it's one game, but uh, Comtois looked pretty good in this one.
1: I have no problem with it. I have no problem. I, I hope they change up the lineup a little bit anyway just because they didn't look good today. I mean, say what you will about some of the, the bright spots up and down the lineup. Uh, overall, this game wasn't good. We got the win. That's the important thing in the standings to, you know, get out of the gate on the right foot and get the W and all. But being caved in the way they were possession wise, shot wise, high danger wise, if not for John Gibson, like I Jesus, man, we said that so many times last year. And hopefully we don't have to keep we don't have to continue to say it. Hopefully it's a collective effort but uh, to the question I wouldn't mind seeing him up on top give him a chance he's he's probably only going to play 9 games so I hope they try to slot him in and uh, give him the the best opportunity and I mean it doesn't hurt playing with Ryan Getzloff.
2: You think if he keeps playing this way he only gets 9 games? I know it's the logical thing and it seems like a Bob Murray type move to move come to to just send him back down to junior to avoid having that uh that year burned off his entry level contract but I mean He made a good effort tonight to to stick around the team. Comes out early, shows that he wants to play, gets a goal, almost sets up Silverberg for an assist. Was probably the best of the rookies to play tonight, which is a a tall task when you've got a guy like Sam Steele playing who is arguably the Ducks' top prospect. Maxim Comtois, since he got drafted, has done nothing but prove people wrong for him going and falling to the second round. He was a guy that was projected to be a top 15 pick, struggled in his draft year, fell a little bit. And now, now look at him. I mean, the guy came back, rebounded last year, had an excellent season in the QMJHL, came to camp, impressed in pretty much every game he played in, impressed in preseason, comes into his first NHL goal, uh, first NHL game, scores on his first shot. What more can you ask from the guy? If he continues to even do somewhat of what he did tonight, it's going to be hard to send him down. And I mean, to answer the question, I feel a little bit bad Saying we should take Troy Terry off the first line one game into the regular season. I'd like to give him a little bit more of a chance, because it is only one game in, and we'll see, we'll see from there. And but if Comtwan keeps him uh, impressing, I would love to see him with Getslaugh and Raquel to see what he can do. He'd be arguably the trigger man on that line.
1: Why not give him the chance? I mean, that's that's all he needs is just a chance to prove himself. But uh I, I can't see Bob Murray keeping him up. There's just no way he's not going to burn the first year of his contract. And then uh, if he gets over a certain number of games in the regular season, I think it burns a year off his RFA too, right? So that's less control the Ducks have over one of their prospects. And anytime Bobby can't keep his treasures that he drafts uh, for as long as he wants, um, he gets sad and uh, just does (laughs) things that uh, he always does, which is never use them and never trade them.
2: Yeah, likely we'll see. Carter Rowney play a lot more. Yeah, I, I want to be hard on the guy because he played tonight. But uh, likely, if anybody comes back and is relatively healthy, I mean, Kessler made the trip. You know, it has to say something. I don't know. You know, I mean Maybe he's just skate out skating with the team just to get some more practice and they want him around the team. Uh, I don't know when he's going to be back. Same with Eve, same with Kasha. But if any of them are close to coming back by the time Maxim comes was nine games are almost up. I feel like no matter what he's done unless it's just out of this world i feel like he he probably gets sent back back down uh, it's just an easy option it, it's like when you have a guy who's waiver exempt like vegas did with Shea Theodore at the start of last season where they sent him down because they could and it it didn't affect the put didn't have to put any guy on waiver it didn't affect the roster so they had him down there. he didn't deserve to be down there but it was the easy option. It was the, the option that hurt the less. So they went and they did that. So I can see the Ducks doing the same thing with Comtois.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Vegas sort of turned around and just make uh, Shea Theodore a multimillionaire this summer yeah. because uh, they had to pay their him. top defense when they tried to bury in the AHL. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it worked out for him. But uh, So let's move on here. We got Tyler Tennell on uh, Twitter who asked, given the Sharks being favorites this year to win it all, can this one game – Give us a pretty good idea of how our youth is successful in bridging the gap we felt we needed after the end of last year. So are no, the young guys, yeah. You don't no, think
1: so? I, I, we, I need to see, I, we're only going to see nine games of a couple of these guys. I feel like Steele's not going to play the, the entire amount, and neither is, neither is Comtois. They're probably going to get sent down as soon as some well, of the well, guys Steals, are coming
2: Steele's uh, Steel's uh, uh if he gets sent down, he goes to the goals. So, goes to the goals, yep. Yeah, so he has a better chance of sticking up, I think, than Comtois
1: um no 100 percent. i just don't feel like they're gonna play him that much i think as soon as richie gets signed because he's gonna get signed and yeah. he's gonna come back and slot in and kessler's close so if kessler comes back you're probably moving uh steel right back down to the goals is what i would think yeah. that's gonna happen so i don't think we're gonna be able to see a lot of them but i would like to see a small sample size i mean maybe give me 15 games of these guys playing well together and it could be like all right i can kind of see how they mesh and and go but one game is just way too hard to make that assumption i'd love to say they're going to kill it but uh just one game you really can't make out anything uh, yeah. on a team especially with this amount of roster turnover
2: it's hard not to get into the hype though i mean it's, oh, a, totally. it's a win against a team that is considered a favorite and our roster has been decimated we have three rookies making their debut uh, i troy terry is essentially a rookie uh it's not his debut but he's, he is a rookie um you have all these guys, new guys coming into the lineup, and, and they come out with a 5-2 win. It wasn't the prettiest one, but it is it is great to get excited. But, yeah, I, I don't think this gives us a, a pretty good idea, as Tyler said, of, of how our youth is successful in bridging the gap. But I think it was a, a little bit of a taste because I think Sam Steele looked very comfortable as a third-line center, and that's tough to, to really see when you see a guy coming literally out of junior where he played center. You don't often see a guy step right into the NHL and is able to play center at that level. So I think he looked really comfortable there, which was great. Uh, the offense wasn't quite necessarily there. Maybe a little bit of shell shock being in your first game. But uh, he looked responsible, at least in his own end. And, and he looked like he was trying to make some plays. So we'll see over the next few games if he can get going. But you know Sherwood looked the same that he did in preseason. He's a quick energy type of guy. Reminds me a bit of, of the way Andre Kasha played when he first came into the league and uh come to ontario i think played great as well so we'll see uh talk to me in maybe five six seven games down the road when we've got a little bit more of a sample size from these guys to see if the if we can really say it's bridge to the gap or not
1: no 100 percent agree
2: uh chase again said uh i mean i guess this is yeah he said do we have to keep shen or can we just leave him in san jose Unfortunately, um, we can't. I you know. Actually, he played. He didn't play that bad. Uh, he was. Uh, I mean, he I guess. great. He did what he f- does. Yeah, I'm sure his uh, his question percentage isn't that great either. But nobody's in the in this game for the Ducks were probably. Oh good no! I think it was I one player over forty. <laughs> one over forty. So no, no one even close to fifty.
1: <laughs> no, it was brutal, 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 yeah. brutal game.
2: And and did you know, honestly. Awful.
1: No, I mean, I mean not to. Not to, to, to pull back from the Ducks too much, but I mean, two goals were power play goals. One was an empty netter. This game was was close on the scoreboard. It wasn't what the scoreboard ended up being. And obviously they were dominated, like we said. So just to my last thought on the youth. Why don't have a fourth line with these guys? Like, why not play a fourth line yeah. with good players? You can roll over and, and be dangerous rather than these guys who are just really good at chipping the puck off the glass, uh, hitting the red line and dumping it and then kind of swinging their sticks in the neutral zone as, as the other team try, kind of tries to power back through. Um, that's just never been the Ducks' style. It'd be kind of cool to see, but I, I just don't. I don't see him happening. But it would be nice to, to watch a fourth line with all those uh, those young prospects together.
2: Yeah. What about not seeing Isaac Lindström in this game? I I kind of find that a little bit interesting. I know there was you know only where would you slot him in spots? <laughs> see, that's the question. I don't know if they want to play him at center, um, which is his natural position, or to play him on the wing. Uh, if you play him on the wing i think there's uh, there maybe there's less spots for him to get in um but if you play him at center yeah and i don't know it's tough i just wanted to see him you know he made the team he made the roster and for him to be scratched it it's kind of disappointing because i want to at least see a couple games from him maybe uh, you know rowney gets scratched for the next game we get to see Lindstrom. i at least just want to see a couple games from him because i think uh, he's one of the most complete forwards that we've drafted out of the first round in a while. You know, a guy who just feels like he's pretty close to being ready to play in the National Hockey League, he just has a complete game. For such a young kid, it's something you don't really see that often. And I just want to get a taste of, wh- of what he can do. And, you know, whether that comes when a guy that comes for, or maybe Sam Steele or somebody gets sent down, that could be a possibility. But. He's got to get at least one game, right, in the next three or four games. Ah, so uh, he's going to play. Yeah. yeah. I think I think they, for sure they're going to play him. They can't leave him scratched. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it would be interesting if they did that.
1: David uh, Rodriguez in our chat says, uh, Sherwood in place of Cogliano, he thinks, would boost steel. Cogs belongs on the fourth line. How do you feel about that one? First of all, I can't imagine Carlisle putting, Car- uh, putting Cogliano on the fourth line and giving yeah. him like five minutes a night. But how do you feel about that? Uh,
2: it's, yeah, I just can't see Carlo doing it. I mean, that that might be true. Sherwood might give a boost to Sam Steele. Uh, they, I, I feel like Sherwood is the type of player. Again, I, I compared him a bit to Andre Kasher and just being an energy guy, a guy who's all over the ice. I think when you put that guy on any line, he's going to boost it. I mean, we saw Andre Kasher jump up and down the lineup last year and every, pretty much every line he got on, he made them better. Because he was pressuring the other team, uh, and he was just using his speed to his advantage. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think Cogs gets sent down to the fourth line. Uh, it, it just doesn't seem like a move Randy Carlyle would make. And, and I don't think no. he necessarily deserves to get sent down to the fourth line. He hasn't done anything wrong. Um, and it's tough to say, yeah, this kid who just played his first NHL game. Yeah, we're gonna play him over you, and you're gonna play on the fourth line tonight. I I don't see it happening. It doesn't happen to um, long-term guys,
1: veterans. and They don't get moved like that in game one. No,
2: unless it's a a, a really highly touted prospect, which no offense to Sherwood, I think he played great, but he's not one of those guys.
1: All right, man, what else we got?
2: Uh, That's it for questions. Unless anybody has any questions for the try, I know Gordon Bombay asked a question about Pontus Aberg. He asked, uh, how did we pick up Aberg two days ago? And uh, he's playing today. Uh, how do you think he looked, honestly?
1: I didn't really notice him, to be, to be honest with you. I, I mean, yeah. he took a penalty, I he think. He was playing with steel. right? Um, yeah, I didn't really notice him much. Yeah. Um, was he the guy who wiped out Martin Jones behind the net? It might have been him. I think him.
2: he was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, He took a penalty at one point, so I think that was him. I don't know. I, I've, I have high hopes that he could be a, an interesting pickup for the team, honestly, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, I I mean everybody remembers from you're what secretly he
1: did. a Nashville fan and you love Auburn.
2: Yeah, no. I mean <laughs> everybody remembers what this <laughs> this guy did in Nashville, uh, in the playoffs. And that's what they remember him from. But he had a decent productive season for Edmonton last year, eight points in sixteen games. I mean his, his shot metrics weren't great. He was forty five percent, so it wasn't like he was a possession monster, but. I think he's a, a guy that can contribute to the depth of this team. Uh, I, I think it's a better forward than you know some of the guys we have in the minors. So it's a good call-up. It's a guy you can send up and down. Uh, maybe he gets picked up off waivers. That's the thing you worry about if you do send him back down eventually and he becomes waiver-eligible that some other team could pick him up and, and has the same hopes for him. Um, I, th- I think the fact that the Ducks started him in the first game of the season shows that they see something in him. So I'd like to see a little bit more from him. I, I think he's got the potential to be uh, a sneakily a good piece of this team.
1: I mean, he can be, right? It's just going to be somebody that can kind of go up and down the lineup when there's injuries. He's a bottom six guy, I feel like. He's just an energy dude. Um, I, can't, I don't really see a lot of scoring coming off him in spurts. I, I just Maybe an opportunistic guy who plays a little minutes here and there. But uh, once the vets come back and are healthy, it's going to be really interesting to see how um, this team kind of shuffles up the lineup. Because, I mean, with Kasha out indefinitely, because he took it had to have been from the skate that he got clipped with. Right. That's the reason why he's out. I know I bashed Drew Doughty on Twitter. Um, Yeah. Drew kind of went after him big time. But I mean, Kasha did take a skate to the head. So I'm not sure what did it. But now he's out indefinitely. Yeah. Patrick East has this mysterious shoulder injury after he had some sort of crazy life-threatening virus last year, and Kessler's learning how to walk and skate again and almost done. Um, and then when he's done, he'll come back. But I'm really curious so to see optimistic. what Randy Carlyle's going to do. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I I have no idea uh, what they're going to do in terms of the entries. It's it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of work these things out, um, and, and when any all these guys are going to get back. Honestly, I mean it could be a while before we see any of them. They're all. I mean we know at least per- when Perry's going to be back. Yeah, that five. I don't even mention span. that guy. Yeah, I, I mean the, Perry was the five month span. We at least know that. But for Eves, for Kessler, for Cash, we have no idea. I mean Kessler is traveling with the team we can assume that means that he might be close to coming back, but we don't really know. Patrick Eves, uh, we all thought, I think, or a lot of us thought he was closer than Ryan Kessler to being back. Doesn't seem like it's that way anymore. And and with a concussion, especially, and this isn't the first concussion that Andre Kasha has, he's just out indefinitely. And That could be any, that could be, he could be available a couple games down the road, or he could be out for a couple months. You have no idea how long it's going to take to recover from something like that. And, I think to me, honestly, that's one of the most disappointing ones because at least we knew that we would probably be without uh Kessler Neves to start the season and, and once Perry got injured, you know, we we knew how long term that was gonna be. But Andre Cash looked good in preseason. He was a guy everybody was looking to take another step forward and be, you know, a dark horse potential for thirty goals this year on this team. And then he goes out and, and just it's a freak injury and, and whether it was the Doughty situation or, or likely from the Montour skate hitting him, it's just a a fluke accident. And and it's tough. It's it's tough for this team because he is a a really key piece of this offense. And for him to go down, it's going to be hard for the Ducks to overcome long term, especially like we mentioned earlier, if we have to send a guy like Maxim Comtois down no matter how he's playing. So it's a tough loss. It's going to be tough to overcome missing all four of these guys from the lineup.
1: You know, something that uh, I noticed kind of shifting gears here a bit, I'm sure you noticed it too, but Hampus Lindholm and Brandon Montour up in the rush the entire freaking game. Did you you notice that? It felt like they were just flying up and down the ice all over the place, taking lots of chances. Even when the game was close, you would find Lindholm leading the rush. You'd find Montour leading the rush, and they'd be driving to the top of the crease in front of Martin Jones.
2: Even on, I mean, that's how Montour got his goal, was driving into the play. And uh, just throwing the puck on net, a play that I don't think Martin Jones expected him to make. And honestly, I think they were two of the best players the Ducks had tonight. I mean, if you look at uh, their, their shot metrics and the possession numbers, they were the better players in that avenue. They weren't great numbers, of course. Montour at 44.4 4 and Lindholm at 35.7. Normally, you wouldn't say that those are considered great numbers, but when they're the two leading the way for the Ducks... It, shows that at least something was going well for them tonight. I thought they looked good, but uh, I think Campus Lindholm could make anybody look good, and that's not a knock on on Brandon Montour. He played excellent this game, and he's a guy that's going to have to take a a huge step forward this year, and I think he did that at least to open the season here. Uh, Whether we can get Fowler and Manson on track, I think that's a matter of time, and again, I think that could come from putting the old pairings back together, having Lindholm with Manson and Fowler with Montour, but... I am really impressed with the game that Brandon Montour had in this game, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do for this season, especially if he's relied upon to to quarterback this power play.
1: We didn't I even mean, see him on the half ball ready for one-timers, right? He didn't even get a chance to set up. The power play was so lethal.
2: Yeah, we saw him there in preseason, and I think right. eventually he probably would have made his way over there. But like you said, that they really had this play set up where they would pass it down low, and then try and do a cross crease or a a, a slot shot. And it worked out on both plays. And it's just the quick passing. It's something we've been calling for for a long time. They always look to make the pretty pass last year on the power play. They'd be holding on to the puck forever, waiting to to make that perfect pass. And here it was less thinking and just going with the quick, easy pass. And it worked out on both plays. And and I think it's good. But I'm sure at some point we'll see Montour get a little bit more involved in the power play. And that's going to be scary. Uh, I think he's going to have a great season for the Ducks this year.
1: I think so, too. Uh, that's a bright spot to talk about. This Ducks defense is going to probably get back in gear. They, they they looked a little lost at times. Uh, it's game one. Um, yeah. It's hard to beat that top four. And they're so young and talented. They're I mean, they're not as good, honestly, as Nashville's defense. They're not as good as the Sharks defense just because they just haven't gotten there yet. There's potential there for a couple of the guys to maybe get to the upper echelon. I don't, I'm not saying they're going to win Norris's anytime soon. But uh, to be a solid, cohesive unit like that, and they all have plenty of term and years left on their career, it's, a, it's an exciting thing for the Ducks to have.
2: Oh, for sure. And uh, we actually just got another question from Jacob on Twitter. This is a long one, so so buckle up for this one. So he said, well, the rookies looked great. Do you think there's some mix-up in the wingers after tonight? There's more to this question after this. But do you think they're going to mix up some of the wingers after how the Lions look tonight?
1: Oh yeah, we kind of talked about that about swap and Terry and and comes. Yeah, to but a, just I, I in like general, do you, do you
2: see like do you see anybody moving or this? I mean, Randy Carlyle in the past, after I and I can't again. I don't want to say this was a good game, but after a victory, he seems to like to keep things similar. Um, I think but if A-Fuck anything gets, yeah, and I think if anything gets changed up, maybe it's the defense pairings. I keep going back to that, but I think it would be good to see what we're used to on that blue line and see if it works. But, uh, but up front, I, I don't really know what you could change. I mean, the, the top line started to look great near the end of the game. I think Henrik's line with Comtois and Silferberg was probably the best line of the game. And then even uh, Cogliano and, and Steele... I thought that line looked pretty good, too. So I I would like to just see how it does for another game. i like to see how all these guys do with these partners and at least try and gel some chemistry because there were some bright moments, I think, for each line in this game. And whether we see some movement on the fourth line if if Lindstrom comes in or something else, I don't think that's going to make too much of a difference. I think that might be the only place we see some swaps. But I could really see this top nine the exact same on Saturday when they go play Arizona
1: yeah and but i kind of hope honestly they do make some moves though seriously because i mean even though they won this game we've already said it they need to change how they played they didn't play that well i mean they probably deserve to lose this game let's be honest so maybe there will be some changes um i think that would definitely be a welcome uh thing to have happen especially on saturday when that uh, coyotes team man is good is deadly and young favorite you coyotes that's that's my favorite for this uh Pacific Division, I know, I know. Hate on me all you want, dude. I'm, I'm pretty high on them. I think they're going to be good this year. So the Ducks are going to have to bring their A game again um, that they didn't bring tonight and got a win. They're going to have to bring it on Saturday.
2: And how do you think – I mean, we can preview that game a little bit. We've got a bit of time here. And How do you think that game is going to go for the Ducks? Because this is a, a new-look Arizona Coyotes team, I think, this year. And, and the fact that – They've, they've got a lot of young pieces coming in. Dylan Strom's probably going to start with this team. Barrett Hayton, who they drafted uh, in, in the first round, high in the first round, the I believe fifth overall, uh, he made the 23-man roster, so he'll be a piece of this team. Uh, Galchenyuk won't be because he's out for a couple weeks with injury. So a lot of roster turnover, a lot of young guys coming to lineup similar to what the Ducks have this year. Uh, and then Auntie Ronta in that a guy who as much as the Ducks rely on John Gibson I think uh, the Coyotes are going to rely a lot more on Auntie Ranta this year to get them wherever how do you think we're they're going to stack up on Saturday
1: That's a that's a tough question man that's a real tough one just because of what we saw tonight if it's the same thing I think the Ducks are in trouble honestly yeah. I mean they're they're in trouble if it's the same exact Uh, situation They're going to put themselves in where they just get run into the zone, the entire single or the entire shift of every single period. uh, Can't get to the neutral zone. They have to come back and play a much better game. I I mean, I'm pretty high on on the Coyotes, but if the Ducks are able to make some uh, minor adjustments and maybe get used to uh, each other, I mean, that's so hard to ask in game two, right? Get used to each other. You've only been playing one game in a couple of preseason games. But uh, I think they can pull the victory out, man. I think it should be a much better game. They're going to break down some tape, I hope, in the next few days and figure out what they went wrong. And you know, I guess the plus side is for the Ducks is there's no uh, Eric Carlson on this team. There's no Brent Burns in this team. I mean, I'm a big fan of Oliver Ekman-Larsen, but he's just not one of those players yet. Maybe he gets a Norse uh, a campaign again or comes close to getting a Norse campaign this year and steps up. He's still a young guy. He's a really good defenseman. But uh, they have a much lighter load to look forward to defensively with the Coyotes.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely think that. I mean, you're not going to get as, as much pressure, I think, that than what the Sharks are putting on. But I think it's a, a team we really don't know what we're going to get from the Arizona Coy- uh, Coyotes. They're a lot different team this year. A lot of different players coming in. A lot of young guys stepping into the mix. Just a whole new look, I think, for this team. So. I don't think they're going to be bottom feeders like they were last year. I know you're, like we mentioned, no. pretty high on them. Um, in our in our Pacific Division preview, you had them finishing second behind the, the San Jose Sharks. So they should be an exciting team to watch. Uh, it should be an easier team for the Ducks to handle. But like you said, they can't play the way they did tonight if they want to come out and, and win that game. They need to look a lot better. Uh, I mean, everybody's happy with the 5-2 win against a, a division rival, against a team who's supposed to be the favorites for the Pacific Division. But when you go in, you're facing the Arizona Coyote, Coyotes. I can't say that tonight. Holy, I've the just, Arizona Coyotes? Yeah, I've just, I've just struggling like four or five times with the oh, Arizona Coyotes. It's like 2.30 in the morning for you. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, it's the flip side, right? You've got the Sharks, who are expected to be favorites, the Coyotes, who are... I don't want to say projected to finish near the bottom, but they're probably projected to finish fourth, fifth, or sixth. This is a team you should be playing better against, so we'll see if they can do that come Saturday.
1: Yeah, I go with what Chris just said in our chat. He said, just say Yotes. It's easier.
2: Just Yeah, I should. Or I could just say Phoenix and just be a dick. Because <laughs> even though it's not part of their name anymore. Yeah. Um, I think we got to give
1: shout-outs, man. We've got to talk a little bit about Patreon. It's because uh, everyone who... Uh, who signed up. We said we give him a shout out on the show, which is cool. If you're listening, uh, Chris Hurt gets a shout out. Christopher Smith gets a shout out here. David Rodriguez, Derek, Jimmy Heesh, who uh, we've we've met and seen plenty of times. Uh, Jordan Ornelas. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, Linda, Matt. I'm just going to skip the last names. I'm just going to butcher him if I don't. Um, and then Miguel and Philip and Tom, thank you all for chipping in and being part of our Patreon. Uh, we really appreciate it. Every every little bit helps. And if you guys have heard our shows before, I mean, we just want to give it all back in, in the form of more content. We want to do giveaways. I mean, there's opportunities for bonus shows. where We're going to have you guys join the show and uh, play a little contest, see what kind of uh, merchandise you can win. It's going to be all hockey-related stuff. Um, good things that are to come. And plus, we're giving away Paul Korea tickets, which is pretty awesome, down in the lower 200s. Yeah. We're going to be at the game. Uh, we'll make, we, you know, we're definitely going to meet up with whoever gets those tickets. are going to hang out and talk hockey. So just kind of a cool thing um, that we're gonna, we're putting up here this year to, to try to uh, cover our costs plus give back. So everybody who, uh, who was able to sign up and do that, we appreciate you guys. And those who haven't, totally understandable if that's not your thing. But uh, we appreciate all the support, whether you are, are signing up or just tuning in. So a well, big shout-out to everybody. Thanks.
2: Yeah, and for, for everybody who's listening on Patreon, we do have the one of the bonus shows, I believe, coming up this week. Um, and, and then for everybody on Twitter today who participated in Forever Mighty Three Stars, we will have the leaderboard up tomorrow. Uh, a lot of people picked uh, Maxime Comtois to have the first goal tonight. I think there's at least five or six people who picked him to have the first Interesting. goal. Interesting. I I would be surprised if uh, Was it Ricky made... Bradley? Oh, it could be. He was lights out last year. I don't know. I will, I'll have to double check that. But uh, a record amount of entries. I think we had almost 60 entries Holy this year. Holy smokes, man. For the first time. So tell, one tell, tell of the everybody season. how that works. Yeah, so I'll yeah, we'll go into it. So for the February 3 stars, if you haven't heard it, uh, we run it on Twitter. If you don't have Twitter, uh, we'll tr- we're going to try and get it out on our Instagram. It's a little bit more difficult to put on there. But basically, before Puck Drop, we put a, uh, three prediction questions out about 45 minutes before Puck Drop. The two of them are always the same. Who's going to score the Ducks first goal? And what's the final score going to be? The third one is just a random question that we make up uh, on the spot before the game. It goes out there with all three. For every correct answer, you get one point towards the leaderboard. And the leaderboard at the end of the month, whoever is the winner gets a free jersey from Cool Hockey, which is pretty great. We had, I think, three winners last year because we started this podcast in February, so we're starting off in October. Thanks to everybody who entered in tonight, and if you can, you want to try and enter as many times as you can, as many games as you can can get in, because obviously the more chances you have to collect points, the more chances you have to be the leader at the end of the month. So we'll be doing this every month of the season. Each month, Cool Hockey will be providing... Uh, a jersey for the winner and it doesn't have to be a ducks jersey uh you can choose whatever jersey you want Uh, it's completely up to you and cool hockey will send it out to you
1: yeah so lots to look forward to man you guys got to get on that forever mighty three star because i think this month we're giving away the ducks new third jersey i don't think you want to surprise on that right that's the big uh the big ticket for this month that's what you're going to get if uh you're able to win it's not easy to win i mean jesus you got to be pretty lucky or know some inside betting crap where you're able to get the edge on somebody because it's, <laughs> it's pretty tough. That, oh, Bay Bolts! Look at that in our uh, in our chat. Bolts jersey, nah, man. No bolts nah, jerseys. Man, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, shout out to everybody who's participating on uh, on our chat tonight too. We appreciate you guys coming out, Eddie. Do you got anything else you want to call it a wrap?
2: Yeah, I feel like because cool hockey is so great to us, we should probably. Uh... We should probably get to the read that they gave us. So. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead, dude. All right. <clears throat> so Pat, you're a hockey fan, right? Oh yeah. You love your team, and uh, and, cheesy, and some so of I the players the at team. least. Some of the players, <laughs> of course. Everybody but Kevin Bieksa last year.
1: I like this pass to Dylan Larkin.
2: All right. Well, you know what? Cool Hockey, they get that. They get how much you dislike Kevin B.X, Actually, they get how much you love Ryan Getzlaff and the Arizona Coyotes. So that's why they offer you high-quality NHL jerseys at competitive prices. They've been in business since 1999 customizing jerseys to the NHL specs to give you quality work you won't find anywhere else. Cool Hockey is the number one place to get NHL jerseys. That's why we use them for our giveaways and for the Forever Mighty Three Stars. Shipping is available to any country in the world, so we have people listening from all over the world, uh, so you can get it shipped out to anywhere. So you can head to coolhockey.com now and use the promo code FM20 for 20% off your next jersey purchase. That's FM20 for 20% off your next jersey purchase. So thanks to Cool Hockey for not only giving us that discount code to give out to you guys to get 20% off, also for sponsoring Forever Mighty Three Stars and being able to get you guys out of Jersey as well.
1: Hey, if you're listening and you're in ireland or australia i'm very curious uh how you know about the ducks or like the ducks so hit us up i'd love to hear a story on that i saw we had we had hits in ireland i was like what is it 15 or something 20 people in ireland listen to us i think it's amazing so it trips me out when well, i finally looked, I looked they across they can get a go. jersey
2: shipped out there because it goes to oh, every yeah. country in the world <laughs> all right guys
1: thanks for tuning in tonight whether you were live or listening in to tomorrow we appreciate and love you guys uh check us out on uh, facebook instagram and twitter forever mighty also hit us up on our patreon if you want to be part of all the bonus content the giveaways um all the exclusive stuff that we have going towards all of our patrons who are participating there a pretty bitchin uh, custom puck bottle opener might i add uh for the highest tier if you want to ch- when you want to check that out but uh go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash puck guys forever mighty Have a great night. We'll talk to you guys on Saturday. See you guys.